Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Episode number 10, finally we've hit double digits. This conversation is so fitting for this milestone. Join us this week as we talk about generational inheritance, the stuff that we have taken on from parents in past lives, animal communication stories, and how everything ties into what some might call destiny or soul contracts. You'll definitely need a journal for this one. If you guys are enjoying these podcasts and you want a little bit more, make sure you check the show notes for the details in our membership. All right, let's go. Welcome back to our podcast. We're excited to have you guys listening in again. Um, If you missed our last podcast, it was a horse training podcast where we talked a lot about the um training aspect of horses having empathy for both trainer and horse and being involved in the process so that you can really understand what your horse is going through mind body and spirit and for our members we also talked with carrie lake and we had a super in-depth conversation about ego and the dream world and the connectedness and consciousness and all kinds of crazy things. And if you really want to catch up on that and check it out, we have that in our membership. There will be a link in the show notes. Um, And today we are going to talk like a little bit about animal communication and um, generational trauma. And I feel like today's episode is probably going to get a little wild, like it might have a few directions, but, um, Amber and I were just talking before this about how, um, about a couple of my sessions. And so I wanted to share a little bit about them with you guys and you can hear some different perspectives. So, um, I guess I'll start out with saying that animal communication looks different for everybody. And there's all these different ways to communicate. Like some people see things, some people hear, um, some people can like smell things or taste things, or you can have like a combination of them or like a knowing. And I feel like it's very important that people know that everyone can do it because sometimes there's this misconception that you have to have like a gift or that there's only like the chosen few that can communicate to animals. And sure, some of us are more disciplined in practicing or we have learned to fine tune things. And maybe there are some aspects that feel almost gift-like or that we are naturally born with, but you do have the ability to connect with your animal. And um, basically my understanding of how it works, um, and I love this example from Abraham Hicks, who is someone that Amber and I follow, uh, she talks about how she channels non-physical energy. And she's like, oh, it's just like turning your radio dial to 97 FM and picking up the frequency. Um, That is how she connects to her, um, I was going to call them people, but what consciousness, I guess, stream of consciousness. (laughs) Um, And so for animals, I do the same I use a picture. I don't have to have a picture, but it just makes it almost instantaneous if I have a picture where I have learned to tune my vibrational frequency to that of a picture. Um, 
And it's interesting because I've been doing this for a while now. And I talk to my people about being very open-minded in their sessions and that it's kind of like a back and forth, like everything is open to interpretation. And there's only so many symbols that I have based on my experiences that I understand. And the animal will combine what I know and what their person knows as a collective to create a story for us is essentially how I understand the communication happens. And um, I wanted to talk with Amber a little bit about generational trauma because I'm getting a taste of my own medicine recently, especially today, where I have had to be really open-minded in my sessions where I'm getting this information from animals and it comes to me so strongly and I almost don't want to say it because I don't trust the information. And I'm like, be open-minded. Like sometimes it's hard for me to be that quote weirdo that I'm like, you know, your dog's grandmother really went through a tough time and now your dog has anxiety, but that is what happened to me today. And I had to be really open-minded about it. So, um, do you have any, do you want to say anything before I tell the story? I want, I got this little download that maybe this little process that, um, we were taken through in my refresher slash training thing where you can identify which of your senses is the strongest so that, you know, when you're trying to connect and tap in, maybe that's something we should put in our membership. Maybe we'll do that instead. But there is like a little thing we can do, but that popped in my head. I was like, oh, I need to do that. I forgot that we had talked about that. Um, and then there was something else that popped in my head while you were talking. And I can't remember what it is. Okay, so just go. <laughs> it's gone. Was go. it about animal communication, trusting the info, being open-minded. I think, you know, it's in, it's so it's so random and funny that I was messing with the video on YouTube this morning and I stumbled upon a podcast with you and Felicity and I was listening to your podcast and so um but I think that like the, a big aha moment I had when I started having more conversations with you was that duh about the more understanding and knowledge you have as a communicator then the more in depth the information you can give. So if you're speaking with an animal communicator that has limited knowledge on the body or knowledge on, you know, whatever aspect you're reaching out for, for clarity around with your communication. Um, and I feel like most people are wanting to know about behavior or like physical like stuff in the body. And you think about how many communicators are actually educated enough in the body to be able to pinpoint like certain parts, right? So. Um, it was just like one of those moments when I, like I said, when I first started talking to you, where I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Cause how can someone even receive the information or understand how to decipher it if they don't understand it themselves? You know what I mean? So you can only have a general area versus, oh, it's my digital flexor tendon. You know what I mean? Um, so that was something where I was just like, oh, you know, so for people that are like dabbling in or trying to connect with and remembering that like, to stay open to whatever you're going to get, even if it doesn't make sense. Right. And, and follow the little breadcrumbs and, you know, that kind of stuff. But that was one thing that I was reminded of, of like, yeah, that's why you are such a good communicator when you're identifying different stuff within the body strictly because it's like, oh, you know, so much about the body. So of course they're like, thank goodness we got her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm in this like super expansive place right now, um, where the body has kind of been like my heart and soul, because that is what was most important to me when I first started out and connecting the mind, body, and spirit and understanding, you know, tack and feet and all of this stuff. And that has been my intention for so long. Um, but it's just interesting to me because I have all this stuff popping up recently where I had that horse that I told you about that he passed away and he was like, man, it is a great time to be non-physical right now because I'm part of like the big awakening. And I still don't know what the F that means, but that's um, I was trying to remember the other day that I wanted to get with oh. Carrie. Remember when I was like, well, there's something I can't remember what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay so yeah that whole great awakening thing and then um I've just been like having these opportunities to talk to these animals that are helping their people expand in different ways and I think part of it is the work that I've been doing with you because you're encouraging me to like talk to my body parts and to like and I've been doing the breath work and like different things to kind of open up that more spiritual side and evolve as like an energetic being and so um yeah I kind of have two stories that I feel like I want to tell you today um the first let's talk about the dog first because that that one was super interesting so I talked to a dog who immediately like when I connected with her I could just tell I was like man she's so anxious she's sensitive to literally everything she doesn't have a good energetic shield she worries if she's yelled at it's like um you know just one of those like very ungrounded beings and I could just tell that the energy was like very old like it was just like an old anxiety and when I let her so sometimes when an animal will um start talking to me like that I will just let them go wherever they need to go so I stay quiet I don't say well why do you feel this way or why this or why that I just kind of like sit there and she took me to the trash can and pulled out like a tissue from the trash can and just dropped it on the ground and I was like oh that's so interesting and the person was like that's exactly what she does we had to buy lids for all of our trash cans and close the doors because she goes in and forages around in there and grabs stuff and she never tears it up she just gets it out and sets it down and she was like this is an old ingrained coping skill that I developed and I was like okay what does that mean and she took me back to this is what's weird and this is where I was like Shaylee roll with it take your own <laughs> advice stay open-minded because she's like I'm gonna take you back two generations to my grandma and I was like okay and this does not happen to me I am very much and I think it's my sciencey brain where I'm like if I could explain to a person because so many of my sessions I say something they go to the vet the vet confirms it and I'm like yes my communication is valid because it they, you know <laughs> they go to the vet and they get it confirmed almost every time so with this generational stuff it's like sketchy to me <laughs> because it's like new territory <laughs> and so she takes me back to her grandma and her grandma was a stray and she was like uh she had to basically like forage around and get scraps and things to like stay alive and she was like a gatherer and that was like her sense of survival and then she had my mom 
who was also a stray and she was also a gatherer, but it was in more of a domestic um, situation. So she was, um, tr she was almost like trapped. So she was like in a yard, not getting the resources that she needed. So her sense of gathering or survival was more like stress-based. So then she got like she wasn't necessarily getting that survival skill. She was getting like the stress that came along with like not being able to utilize that skill. And then the dog that I was talking to said that she, whenever she feels nervous or she goes into that state of feeling like that fight or flight, like I need to survive or whatever, she immediately goes to that coping skill of I need to dig something out of the trash because this is generational stuff that I'm picking up on. And I was like, it's so crazy because she feels like a stray herself I don't see any past physical abuse in her this is what I'm telling a person I don't see any past physical abuse it looks like you got her when she was young but she was a stray and this stuff is ingrained in her from like the past and the and the person said that she was a stray that she got her at eight weeks old um but that she's been this way like since they got her just a very tough puppy so yeah, I don't know much about it, but I feel like you have some things to say about that, like generational stuff. Yeah. So um, the reason all of a sudden this stuff is coming through is because didn't you just order that book? The, yeah. I mean, duh, like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, the book I'm referring to is it didn't start with you. And um, I was somebody that when I started on this like journey of going into different healing modalities and learning different stuff. And you hear that like thrown around quite a bit, like the generational trauma or ancestral trauma or whatever. And in my head, I was telling Shaylee before we started, it's like, I'll hear stuff sometimes. And if it feels like truth to me, then I don't go any further than that. I'm like, that feels right. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to know why. Like it feels like, yeah, that feels, that feels nice. And, um, but for some reason, actually, another reason, um, I had a close friend, um, someone I was dating, actually, and this is back in my, I want to fix and help everyone mode when I was more, you know, people pleasing. And, and he had a very interesting story and a very interesting history with um, his father and other things. And this book kind of popped up to me and I was like, I'm going to dig around and read around in it. And what I liked about it is that it explained how it worked. Right. So up until that point, I was like, oh yeah, of course your ancestors affect how you do things. But when they broke down the science behind it and the epigenetics and the, you know, the whole entire thing, it was like, oh crap. Like people will have significant times in their life at a certain age where all of a sudden they'll become incredibly depressed or they'll become incredibly afraid of airplanes or they'll have nightmares that they're going to drown and they're like we don't know where this is coming from and you can look back into their ancestry and you can see well your grandma drowned when she was this age so it's trippy and crazy that our genes will take this information and input it in our DNA and pass it because, right, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be setting you up, the next generation, to be able to survive in whatever situation you may or may not be in. So it's just like our nervous systems do for us, like when we're little, like the same thing happens 
generationally. So you're great. I think they go back as like great grandma. Um, the book was, I think it's now almost 10 years old and that was back then. So I don't know now. I, I know he's writing a second book. Um, but like, then it's like, oh, of course it makes sense. Right. It's like, yeah, if you're living in a space where you need to be able to have heightened senses to look and forage, of course, you're going to pass that stuff on to your young because, you know, the mind and the body and the genetics don't know that that is the circumstance. So they encourage people in the book and he has many, many stories. He's a psychologist where he has patients come in. And then when they look at this issue that they're having, they can go back and look at family lines and see, oh, here's the timeline. Here's why you have this fear that you had no idea why you had. And just the acknowledging of it and going, oh, that's where that came from actually allows it to dissipate. Um, and there's all kinds of other like things you can do around it. Right. But like, that was like the main thing for me was seeing the actual experiments that they were doing and like proving how and why that. And I was like, oh, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. I'm like that. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. And like, that not to make this about me, but, um, like how you told me to talk to my knees. Cause I have like all this knee issues in my life. You know, my dog's manifesting in knee issues, my stifles, but you just saying that like at a certain age, it's so interesting to me because my knee issues have absolutely, here I am with the hand puppet. Um, <laughs> my knee, <laughs> my knee issues, um, they come and go like they are sporadic. And I do think that they come from my dad's line because my dad is like, he has always said that we've like had bad knees or whatever. And when I kind of dug into like, you know, the whole not feeling supported thing and everything I kind of wrote in that post, um, I remember my dad telling me stories, like he's had like a pretty, you know, like rocky childhood, not, you know, he grew up back then where they kind of fended for themselves. And, um, but around my age now, maybe a little bit younger, his dad would like drive him up into the mountains and like drop him off for a week and be like, all right, figure it out. Like go backpacking, go like enjoy your experiences and stuff. And, um, I do think there were times in his life where like, he didn't feel super supported and he was in that survival mode. And when you encouraged me to like go into my body and literally bring this body part out, I had to be that goes back to like the, don't worry about how or why, just be open-minded and like, see what happens, see what comes up for you. And I swear that's why I'm getting sessions like this, because you're encouraging me to be like, don't worry about how, don't worry about what's going on. Like, just feel into it. And like, what would happen if you talk to them or what would happen if you followed this like little track that you're on? So yeah, it's very interesting how that stuff is tied together, especially when you mentioned like an age and stuff, that's like very relevant in my life. I feel like with the knee thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a trip because even, so my dad died when I was um, like two, three years old, three, I think. Um, and when my kids hit that age, I had this weird and I didn't make the connection back then, but each of them at that age, I had this weird like disconnect and um, I don't even know how to explain it other than that's also when both of my relationships to their dads dissolved. And I'm now wondering if that has something to do with it. Um, <laughs> very interesting. Um, but because my mom 
had this huge trauma happen, you know, at that, you know, age around where I was that age, that stuff, like it gets passed down. And for my friend who I was sort of inspired to start to look into it, crazy, significant age markers for him through his life in conjunction with his dad's experiences, like crazy. Um, And I continue to tell him he needs to do a documentary about it, but it's wild. So it's like, so um, that's that validating piece where when you start to become aware of it, if you have like this overwhelming, like thing that all of a sudden starts to happen, you start to look into like, that's interesting. I wonder why that's happening. And if you dig around, you know, sometimes you can find stuff, even um, my older son at some point in his life. I think it was probably like three years ago, four years ago, he started being paranoid about having um, a brain tumor or something wrong with his brain. And I was like, but I had already read the book. And so I had um, called my aunt who I knew on my dad's side, who I known had um, done all of the 23andMe stuff and really researched and met and knew all the stories about all of these. And there were two of my family members on that side that had brain tumors. (laughs) So it was just a trip that I was like, oh. And so I told him, don't worry, that's just your genetic coding that's telling you this is something you need to worry about, but you don't. And then like everything kind of settled down, but it was so crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. My sister's kid, one of her twins, she, when she turned like six or seven, became like insanely scared that her sister was going to die. Like she was like always saying like, don't do that. Be careful. And if she like couldn't find her in the house and it went on for maybe like a month or two. So not like very long where she would literally be like frantically crying or freaking out. If she couldn't see her, she'd be like, she's going to die or she's choking. She was worried about her choking, like suffocating. It was a very specific thing. So now I'm kind of like, wow, light bulb. Like that was probably that generational stuff. And then I have another light bulb right now because I had such a hard hard time with my mom growing up. I fought with her all the time for no reason. She was a very supportive mom. She set me up for success. She always like, she was always like, you know, there's leaders and there's followers in the world and you're a leader. And like, she was constantly like building me up, but I fought with her all the time. And now I'm thinking, wow, that's probably generational stuff because she was pretty significantly emotionally and physically abused as a kid. And when I became really good friends with my mom was when I moved out when I was 18 and I, you know, and that's when she left too. And her, all of that stuff probably went away with her own parents. And that's exactly what happened with us. Like I moved out and our entire relationship changed for like no apparent reason, but now I know. Wow. Cool. It's so wild. <laughs> and, then, and then once you are like somebody who starts to run into this knowledge And you realize you're making significant shifts in the choices. Like for me, I come from a line of women who do not use their voice. My grandma's Japanese. So raised in a culture where you're continuously silenced and there is no emotions. And, you know, she was even at one point sold at very young age, you know, um, to a family to go work for them. Her and her sisters were all separated and sold. And I remember her telling me stories because she, I was with her a lot when she was little, when I was little, not her. Um, 
so I'm like from this maternal line of, you know, women who don't necessarily speak their voice. They stay in relationships that aren't necessarily thriving. You know, there's just all of this, you know, and for me, it's like, why am I single? Because I'm choosing different things, right? It's like, there has to be somebody in the line that like breaks that cycle and makes different decisions. And then that's how you create the healing like forward and back. Right. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, my daughter is struggling so much, you know, I, I, you need to talk to her or I, she needs to call you. And I'm like, if you do the work yourself, that stuff shifts. And this is the part that I don't understand at all, but I've seen it happen enough times where I know it's actually a thing. If you do the work, it shifts um, the the kids. I don't know how though. It's so wild. Um, and I've seen it happen a few times, a few of my clients where they're like, oh, and I'm like, it's either your perception shifting. And so that story about what's going on for them is different, or like there's actually shifts happening energetically for them through that DNA coding, you know, that's the part that gets a little woo. Cause I'm sure there's a reason, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely got to be something with that because our animals will shift when we shift our perspective or when we shift our energy. And I have to believe that it's more than just like taking physical action to do something or like, because it's interesting to me how sometimes an animal can release so much resistance just with acknowledgement. And I know that they're like not you know, connected with us, but, um, but they are kind of like, they're not connected DNA wise, but they are connected to, I guess, just like our energy in the household or being around us. Um, there's some deep, some deep shit happening around us. <laughs> we don't even know what is going on. And yes. it's insane how it manifests in our animals, like this dog who is getting tissues and she stopped. Um, the lady said she stopped recently and I was like, oh, it has to do with your husband's job. And she was like, well, um, he works from home now and that it pretty much is when it stopped. And I'm like, that's so interesting. So I wonder if she had separation anxiety, feeling like alone or whatever. And now she doesn't feel like she has to look for those resources because she's, um, yeah. And then she talked about, um, so she showed me like a double door with a dog door, which, which is their back door. And she said that she knows she's not supposed to jump on people. And I see her getting scared and then running out the dog door. And the person was like, that's exactly what she does. She, she has a really hard time not jumping on people. And it's almost like her initial instinct is to jump over the back of the couch and run out that door. And she stays out there for like a minute or two and then comes back in. And when I asked her about it, I thought you know, silly me who is stuck in this little want to be scientific about everything. Um, I'm like thinking, oh, she's like, you know, just trying to regulate her um, nervous system or no, she brings me back to the generations again. And she's like, well, my mom um, used to get in trouble for peeing on the floor when she was really excited. And she also got drug out the back door. So I have to bolt out the back door because there is a fear of the threshold with the double door that is unintentional for me. And it's coming from my mom because she would get drugged outside when she would jump on people or pee on the floor or whatever. And so it's literally in her instinct to just go out there. And then I guess she comes to her realization or, or whatever 
and then goes back inside and does her thing. And I'm like, that's so crazy. I mean, it would make sense, but it's just crazy because I've never had stuff like this come up in my sessions before. And now it's like starting to come up and I'm like, all right, Shaylee, you're not crazy. Let's just roll with it and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's like so interesting that even the acknowledging of, oh, this was my great grandma story. Like you had said, sometimes the behavior or whatever is going on shifts just from the acknowledgement, because I know we've talked about people that will ask questions about like blanketing or whatever, blanketing specifically. And then um, the humans will do it anyways. Like your horse hates being blanketed. He doesn't need it. He's warm, doesn't want it. And the person's like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, And we do have that specific situation here and yesterday when I was blanketing said horse, he pins his ears, he grinds his teeth. And I'm always like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't have a choice. That's usually the narrative. And this time I said, you should feel mad. Like you should feel upset about this. Like, you know, um, and you should keep telling her every time that communicator comes out here, you need to keep telling her that you hate it. Tell her every time, tell her multiple times. (laughs) And But honestly, just from me saying you should be upset about this, I know that you've said you don't like this and it's still happening and I'm sorry, you should be upset. And immediately his little ears went forward and he was like, okay. And I was just like, that's crazy. Um, But it was, and I just changed what I was saying to him because every night I apologize. And I think so does my mom. Um, But yeah, it was just the acknowledging like, yeah, you should feel this way. That should be upsetting. That sucks for you. It sucks. And he was like, does suck you know everything just kind of softened and I like buckled him up (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh well at least you know at least you know why I'm mad (laughs) Uh. okay so my next crazy story um this episode might run a little long so um I talked to these horses today and it was actually kind of a cool unique experience because um it was like a three-way call between the trainer the person and someone else I guess just a friend they were all very involved in all of the horses lives it was three horses and um they were all a little bit like unsettled on their property and all a little bit spooky and what I found was super interesting was when I talked to the second horse he was like, I don't know where the property ends and where my responsibility ends. And he said that he went from going into like a very enclosed space. Like they were kind of like in a little like cove or not cove, but like, you know, an area that you could tell where the boundaries of the property were. And now they are out in more of an open space and there's like orchards and stuff around them. And, um, He was like, I'm standing up on this hill and I don't know where my responsibility ends because I'm the keeper of the peace of this property, but it is so vast. And she was like, there's hundreds and hundreds of acres of orchards that are all around. And that was really bogging him down. And I was like, wow, that's so crazy. Like I never thought of a horse feeling this way, like feeling like, um, he needs to protect like his own specific property, but makes so much sense when you think about you know, generations of wild horses that roam the land and they know, you know, where their herds are, they meet other herds and they don't necessarily, but they understand their territories, you know, wolves, they they have territories and different, like, you know, wild animals have the spaces that they reside in and that they know. 
this is my area. And when I cross over here, I know that this is not my responsibility and this is unfamiliar. And he gave me that vibe. Like he was like, it's in my nature. This is my responsibility in life to be the peace holder and to be responsible for other energies. And, um, then she went, he went on to show me a coyote and this is where things got a little bit weird. Cause, uh, I talked to you with the orchards and the coyotes and I was like, I gotta be making this up. But she told me that, um, I was like, this feels just go along with it, but okay. Like this stuff is a little bit weird. I think I might be tired today. Should have rescheduled. Um, but then it all totally made sense. Um, so he was like, there's a lot of coyotes. Am I responsible for the coyotes? And I was like, that's so weird. Like, why would he be asking that? Maybe it's a fence. Then the person told me that a coyote got stuck in the orchard fence that he could see it from his field and that they had to have, um, someone come and put it down because it literally got like mangled in the fence and was like screaming. And it was this whole like bad, tragic thing. And the horse was holding on to that and attached his energy to the coyote because he didn't know where his land ended. So he's like, this coyote was my responsibility and he died under my watch. And like, so that Mm -hmm. was creating trauma for him. And then last thing, um, there is like a neighboring property that's like, I guess, I don't know, a couple of miles down the road that they could like ride to where the horses used to be that was like a little bit more like closed in, I guess. And he was still feeling responsible for those horses because he knew like he can sense like where they were. So he literally has been like, she's like, he's been so spooky. He's in adrenaline mode. He can't relax on the trails. He's this and he's that. And he's like, I'm responsible for like 3000 acres of property right now. And I can't do it from this tiny paddock and I'm freaking out. Um, so it was so crazy to like hear that perspective. Cause I had never, I think I get so laser focused and this is where I love it when people will just allow the horses to talk and not be like, like have this list of questions and she still had questions and we asked them, but it was really cool to just be open-minded and just be like, okay, let's see where this goes. And part of it, I think was because I had that melting pot of people who had different intentions and expectations for the session. And so the horse, you know, I had that collective, um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts about that? Isn't that like interesting how he felt responsible? Like he didn't know where his property ended and he was like responsible for the coyotes and the other horses and stuff. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's so crazy. And then, cause I think about, you know, we were talking about the coyotes and, and my field and how Clover, my mare will, I watch, I've seen her do it multiple times. So I know it's a thing where she'll watch the coyotes come through the drain down at the bottom of their pasture and I watch her wait until they get fully committed enough into where she goes around behind them and then chases them. Um, and it's like so fascinating to watch because I'm like, what is going on? But I know with 100% certainty that like, I feel like for her, it does feel like a little bit of a responsibility thing for her. You know what I mean? Because she's like mm-hmm. this, she's mine. She's been with me for how many years? You know, she goes everywhere with me you know, I'm, I use mile three as like a real anchor in the herd when I have horses that are super dysregulated. Like, I don't know if it's just the horses that they are, or they feel like I've put that responsibility down them where I'm like, this is your job. This horse is a hot mess. Like 
Okay. So what we're, what are we going to do now? Okay. Like help them regulate, you know, do your thing. And I put the training horses out with specific horses when they have certain things. And I, I'm thinking like, did they choose that role? Right. And then that's why <laughs> they just naturally fell into it. Or did I like, okay, this is your job. You're going to do it. Like, I hope I didn't do that. Um, but it does bring an interesting awareness to say like, you know, you're not responsible all the time for everything, you know? Um, but I do, maybe some of them just take on that because my gelding smarty, he is literally like, I feel like he manages every horse on this property, even though he's not even in the pastures with some of them. And I switch it back and forth. Cause sometimes he wants to go get rowdy with the boys. And then sometimes he feels like he needs to manage the girls. And it's like, um, but he's always got his eye on the other pasture to make sure that these geldings don't go up against the fence line. He'll chase them off, you know, and it's so, it's so fascinating to watch, but then it's fascinating to hear the perspective of the horse being like, this is too much. So like maybe being more aware of that stuff and being like, okay, today you just have to stay here in this pasture. You don't have to manage everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of their other horses, um, is a very angry horse and he's had some actual significant trauma in his past that he talked about. It was pretty sad, but he talked about needing like, because the time in isolation was like familiar to him, like he needed to be separated to eat or whatever and have that time to like not have the responsibility of everyone around him. And, but I wholeheartedly believe that they, I know I shouldn't even say I believe I like know that they choose their roles because they tell me almost every day like they um so like the the scared dog that I was talking about before I'm telling you my sessions were crazy today it like blows my mind these animals so that scared dog had a cat that was like near and dear to the family they had him for five years and he passed away like super super quick and he was like i knew that this dog was coming I had a soul contract with and I never used that I told the lady in the session I was like I never used the term soul contract but like I swear this is coming out of my mouth and I just have to trust it um but he was like I have a soul contract with this dog this dog is like going to be essentially like what you said like needing to break the generational pattern and to go into a family that is going to understand that about her and to care for those needs so that she's not abused because sometimes animals that are very needy or anxious or whatever like humans don't have the capacity to to understand them all the time you know so she went into a family where where the people understand her and then he said and I knew that I had to stick around long enough to where they would fall in love with her because they did not like her in the beginning and I knew they wouldn't. And so he stuck around for like a few months or maybe it was even a year. Um, And she was like, oh my God, it's so true. I feel really bad saying that, but we didn't know if we could handle her. And she was a lot as a puppy and we didn't really connect with her and it really took a lot. And when they started connecting with her he was like all right peace out like my job is done you know this is my sole contract take care of my dog friend and um she said it was really interesting because he has another dog that he lived with for like a long time and they were not connected at all but he was like instantly bonded with her and she was like constantly playing with him and messing with him and like like everything that she was saying it was cool because it was like validation that he did have a little soul contract with her and this horse that is like really angry right now 
he said, I just got a sense and sometimes I don't always know things right away, but I just got this sense that the horse was part of this. So the owner is the one that contacted me and she sent me three horses and she was like, these are all my horses, but I want two people to listen in because they're all involved. And I was like, okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, the third horse, as soon as I got to his energy, I was like, he might belong to you, but he doesn't belong to you. Like he's with somebody else or he's like got a contract with somebody else. And it turns out he's at the trainer's house because, um, she got him in an auction and he is attacking children and dogs. And like, he's a very angry dude. And it was really cool to hear his perspective because he was like, oh yeah, I didn't come for you. Like you might've been the one that saw me and where it was like the vehicle for me coming here. But I came here for the trainer because she has been a trainer for years and years and years. And she had a horse in the past that was a catalyst for changing her training. And I got sent here by that horse and I'm changing her perspective again. Like she's going through a massive change. And she was like, yep, that's totally true. Changed in the way I'm doing things. And I'm like, well, this horse is going to make you or break you. Cause evidently he came <laughs> from this other horse that's going to change your perspective and alter your life. But so that was like his little, like, you know, whatever we want to call it, little soul contract or um, his knowing or understanding of what he's going to experience here, his soul evolution. And they do, I don't really understand how that ties into like destiny and karma. Like I haven't gotten into a lot of that stuff. And I, do you have an opinion on that type of stuff? Cause I don't know if I necessarily believe in destiny or fate or stuff like that, but I, but then I also kind of do. Yeah, I'm kind of the same because I feel like there's free will and at any point someone can make a different decision, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whether or not my kind of thing is like, we're here, we're learning lessons. Um, those lessons, I feel like stay with our soul, right? And so whether or not you believe your soul goes into another body or it goes, you know, to hang out on the other side and help from over there, whatever it looks like. Um, so I feel like destiny feels like it has to happen in this lifetime and it feels too like constrictive right so like if I have to learn this mm-hmm. lesson over multiple lifetimes you know so maybe destiny in a more expansive way but then that also makes me feel like there's like a destination like an end point and I don't know if I can make my brain wrap around that there is an end point you know what I mean that mm-hmm you get there. Right. So I think the word destiny for me is like, Oh, you know, (laughs) it like short circuits me a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I have the same thing, but I just, from what I know from talking with animals, it's just so interesting because like there are old souls, like they have been here before and they have their experiences and I guess we'll find out more. Let's do another podcast and like six months once I've gone through some of this expansion we'll revisit it and be like okay what symbols does Shaylee have now for the evolution of life and the connectedness of it all (laughs) um and Friday I start that um deeper training with my teacher so actually that probably (laughs) that might happen (laughs) spending a lot of time with her um diving into the body and other things that I'm like, I don't know, you know, my, my like thing that I do, I'm like, feels true. That's all I need to know. You know, people are like, (laughs) but like, can you explain it to me? And I'm like, oh 
yes, I should maybe dive deeper so that I have words <laughs> instead of just knowing <laughs> and making sure you should just know it. And they're like, no, that's not how this works. So, um, so it feels like that. And it's really be offering, like, uh, maybe you should give a better description of you and your teacher and the weird things that you're going to be doing, because what if people want to learn from you? Are you going to offer stuff later? Um, I feel like it's just going to get integrated in. So it's my theta teacher and I've done like three different levels with her. The weird stuff, um, is <laughs> that I'm diving in deeper with her is the body stuff where she's going into, um, intuitive anatomy basically. And she's building a course out and she's allowing me to be a part of it. Um, and so I get to the one-on-one -on -one stuff, but that she gets to actually have a live person that she's teaching. So she knows all of craziness, like different dimensions. She knows specific belief systems that attach to different organs. Like she's just like this wealth of knowledge. And so I get to spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with her over the next couple of weeks, um, building this course out. So I don't know, it'll probably get integrated in somewhere. I'm definitely going to do a couple little like energy type meditations um, that I'll share with people probably in the, the tea house. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'm only assuming that that'll also expand our conversations <laughs> and your sessions. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. So great. Well, if you guys have any revelations after this episode, oh, the dogs. Yes. I love it when an animal ends our session. Hell yes. The dogs um, end like every time I feel like. It's the freaking best. Um, okay. So if you guys have any revelations, fun things you want to talk about, find us on Facebook, Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, and let us know what you think about the episode and how these crazy things manifest in your life, because there's no way that people are listening to this and do not have stories of their own. And we want to hear them. Yes, <laughs> definitely. And then if you guys are curious about the guest podcasts that we're doing, those are freaking awesome. You have to be a member though. So we'll put the link in the show notes for that. And I guess that's it. See ya.